Bet the Juice Podcast. Cody Mitchell, Connor Holiday here. Another awesome two days of college basketball. We are left with 16 teams left in the NCAA tournament. Some familiar faces, as you were saying just a second ago. Some new faces and quote-unquote maybe new bloods kind of joining the group. Not a lot of blue bloods. Um, If you consider UConn and UCLA there, you got those two, but that is about it. But some familiar faces like Gonzaga and Houston are still alive. And still some surprises. Yes, including a conference we didn't expect to get a team in the Sweet 16, the Ivy League. Yep. Craziness. 15-seat of Princeton is is in the Sweet 16. If you have that on bracket, you're a liar. All right. Recap from Saturday in the round of 32. To start it off the day, very, very, very boring first four game. I mean, San Diego State beats Furman 75-52. to The Cinderella-Furman Paladins season comes to an end. But Unfortunate for us. I will say, for Slauson and Bothwell, after deciding to use their fifth year after the Chattanooga three to basically costing them a shot at the NCAA tournament in the SOCON tournament a year ago, they came back. They accomplished their goal. They won the SoCon and even won an NCAA tournament game. So you can't. I don't think they should really hang their head very low. It's a tough, tough San Diego San Diego State team that a lot of people did not expect to be here at all. Yeah, but also at the same time, during that game, you and I watching it with close eyes because we were all over Furman. But Furman had some shots, man. Just then, like San Diego State would just turn it on. But yeah, rough. Clamps, clamps, dude. San Diego State's defense is, there's a reason they're in the top 10 in Ken Palm defense. They can lock down when they want to. Uh, Matt Bradley does not look like your average college basketball guard. He didn't even have one of his best games. and he, But he is just built like a freaking linebacker, and that guy can stop stop anybody. I mean, Slauson only took five shots. It's not really the recipe you really wanted for if you were Furman to have any chance here. But, yeah, nothing to really hang your hat on here. Season comes to an end, but San Diego State is going to advance. Um, now, very entertaining game Game right after. Or actually, no. God damn him. We get fooled again. It's, uh, yeah. It is the, no, our, our, our death. And honestly, a game that probably really wasn't that entertaining, but we were just waiting for Duke to come back and take the lead. Tennessee ultimately defeats Duke 65-52 to and one of the most physical basketball games I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it was very, very clear, very, very early that Tennessee was going to try to body them. Like, you saw it with, God, what's their center's name? You you remember it, the Russian guy. I forget. Oh, Plastic. Or, where, or wherever. Plazic. It's hard to pronounce. But just absolutely runs into Flipkowski. <laughs> twice well no he ran into him on the one play yeah the elbow dude i mean he was trying to set the tone like this is big boy ball and legit he did 15 minutes 0 for 1 from the field with three rebounds and four personal fouls like what a stat line but i'll be honest he had a amazing impact on the basketball game yeah but i mean the absolute biggest impact was how the hell do you... I can never pronounce It's like Nakoma. Yeah, Nakoma fucking going off for 27, 10 of 13. What was his... What were we saying? They kept showing his average. What 11. Was 11 is a game. All of a sudden decides he's the best player in college basketball and just 
kept hitting shot after shot after shot for Duke. And honestly, I feel like this kind of hurt them early was Jeremy Roach getting into early foul trouble. And like you saw in the second half, them having to make the change to the 2-3 zone. And for a bit, the 2-3 zone kept them kind of in it. Like Tennessee struggled in the second half to figure out the 2-3 zone. But then, I mean, the shots started falling for them. And I mean, when Vescovy is hitting those threes like he was, dude, he was a force... He was hitting very timely threes, too. Yes. Like, right when Duke would get on a little 5-0 run, you think they're climbing back in the game, they're down six, here comes the best B3. Yeah, and it was kind of like experience, like, for Tennessee really showed how, like, old this team is, how long they've been together, and it really showed in this game going up against, like, no offense, younger kids. Like, other than Roach, like, these are all young kids. Yeah, and I think for Duke, kind of the story of the year kind of came back and bite him. They're just not deep. Roach got hurt. They only had only six guys played more than uh, five minutes in this game. Mm-hmm. Like Ryan Young, you could tell pretty early on was going to be useless. Like no offense to Ryan Young, he's just not tough enough to yeah. deal with what Tennessee's front court's going to bring here. And Flapowski didn't have a great game. That was the my other big takeaway. He had yeah. four fouls, didn't shoot it very well. He was over five from three. A lot of four turnovers, and it seemed like the turnovers were just at the worst time and just kept adding on to Tennessee's run. Yeah, and, and honestly, the one thing that will get kind of lost in this game was we kind of saw a very, very good uh, version of Proctor. He there were some times that we needed a bucket and he got that bucket, obviously like still lost, but still like Proctor really impressed me in this game. His handles, like to think that this kid really should be like in high school playing and he's playing in the NCAA tournament for Duke. Like next year, he's going to be a force, I think, but yeah, he's got that. He's from Australia. He's got that little overseas kind of, game to him and a feel to it he just kind of lets everything come to him mm-hmm. and pair that with like he said those moves is off his moves are pretty 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 nice he had a couple got couple of the tennessee defenders and those are good tennessee defenders kind of like confused and tricked and basically had uh i think it was vescovy had vescovy basically slip out of his shoes and yep. just had a pull-up jumper there so yeah he'll be a force next year but ultimately tennessee gets the job done and a game where I don't think anybody had, I think, what did you say? It was like 85% of the money was on Duke. something like that. And like, honestly, you, if you listen to our Saturday podcast, we were all over the Duke UConn money line parlay. And we really just thought Duke was going to be able to handle it. And I mean, that Tennessee defense made it hard for them. Yeah. Um, last thing on this game, some people that I know that bet on them too is like, that was a good game, blah, blah, blah. Like, it was back and some. Have you heard some people say it was back and forth? I'm like, no, it was that everybody thought Duke was going to win. You were waiting for Duke to win. Tennessee controlled that game for the last 30 minutes. Yeah. And pretty, pretty handily. Yeah, they did. They it let sucks. it get close, but never close enough. Yeah. 
Arkansas takes down number one, Kansas, 72-71. to Eric Musselman has led Arkansas to the Sweet 16 in three straight seasons. Going to try to make it three in a row to the Elite Eight. Yeah, I mean, Kansas. We called it. Don't want to say we said so, but... Well, not even that. I'm just more speaking on the collapse. I forget exactly what it was. I'm trying to look it up because I know they... Yeah, I, let's see. Well, they were up um, by eight at half. Mm-hmm. And got outscored by nine in the second half. And... Yeah, but I know that there was... A, there man. was a point where I believe they were up 11... At least no, there, I found at least one. Well, fifteen twenty one left, and they're up twelve, and just from there, kind of just all fell apart. Crap! But I don't want to like harp on Kansas. Hell of a job by Arkansas to just stay in this game and just keep chipping away at that lead, and then finding your way to pull off the win. I mean. I don't know if, like, maybe if Bill Self is on the sidelines, this game goes different. Like, I kind of talked about it. Like, Arkansas probably has the coaching advantage without Bill Self. If it, if Bill Self's on the sideline, make case that Kansas has it. But, I mean, my God. But here's the thing, too. Like, Arkansas was not your typical eight seed. seed. No. Like, by far no means. Absolutely They played not. without Nick Smith for how many games this year? They have two guys that are going to be drafted in the top 14. Probably four pros on this team. And they're deep. Like, Jordan Walsh comes off the bench, and he's a five-star. Mm-hmm. Like, this Arkansas team, on paper, could you could argue is more talented than Kansas. They just happen to battle through injuries and kind of and this is something we've seen from Eric Musselman for the last three seasons we start to doubt them is like oh oh, is Arkansas in the bubble is Arkansas in the bubble or Arkansas in the bubble and they get a three seed and make it to the lead eight this year they happen to get an eight but still are finding themselves in the sweet 16 again um I feel a little bit bad for like Jalen Wilson he had he played his ass off he did he didn't get a lot of shots up but he still put in 20. He was getting to the free throw line. Yeah, and especially, like, you feel bad for him on that last play, like, trying to get, like, purposely miss the free throw, get the tip out to t- win, tie, do whatever, and he ends up making it. That's and, the worst. Yeah, with three seconds left, and there's really nothing Kansas could do at that point. But, yeah, and, like, at the same time, we always thought the recipe for Kansas was like, we'll let Wilson get his, make the other ones beat you, and to, uh, I mean, at the same time, every single starter except for Grady Dick was in double digits, and yeah. I mean, yeah, you kind of hope that uh, I'm actually he didn't even. I was about to say say you kind of want a little bit more uh, from Yesifu off the bench, but. He only played eight minutes. They literally just played their starters for the damn near whole game. All but like eight minutes. But, I mean, I don't really know what more to say. Just credit to Arkansas. and Yeah, it's not going to make me downgrade how I thought Kansas season was or anything. I just think they ran into a buzzsaw. An Arkansas team that's been, which honestly was crazy because they came into the tournament, I believe, off of like three losses. Or they won. They beat Auburn in the SEC tournament. Yes. Yeah. But then they lost 
But even to that, they were a 10 seed in the SEC tournament, and they did not deserve to be with the talent that they had. It was just all that time without Smith. But Yep, they got together and ultimately found themselves in the Sweet 16. Shocker of the day here for at least most people, especially for me, when I was on the other side spread. Yeah. Princeton beats Missouri 78-63. to The Princeton Tigers are in the Sweet 16. And I will tell you what, this shouldn't honestly have been as much of a shocker as we think. Because if you if you really boil it down to it, Princeton runs the Princeton offense and it is one of the most difficult things to guard. Um, Been seeing a lot of things on Twitter and people are like, well, how come the Ivy League teams can handle it? Because they've seen it every freaking year. Yeah. The coaches know how to handle it. It's kind of it's kind of like uh, Army and Navy and them running the triple options for the teams that are in their conferences or see them the most. Yeah, they kind of know how to stop it. It's the teams that don't see it as much. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure Dennis Gates was probably scouting for Arizona, you yeah. would think. And then he has a two-day turnaround. He's got to get these guys to be able to master all this back cutting and switching off all the ball screens and the handoffs, the shooting. Because from the – I had this was one of the games I didn't get as, as much eyes on, but it seemed like every two seconds there was a back cut to the basket wide open for a layup every single time. Mm-hmm. But also just want to give a quick shout-out off the bench, Blake Peters, 5 of 8 from 3. Like – in just 15 minutes. Great, great shooting from him. I I mean, obviously, we were on the other side with Mizzou. Man, I thought I thought Mizzou would have more fight, at least, at times. Like, it, it was tough. It was tough. Yeah, Princeton controlled basically the pace of the game, too, which kind of killed them. Missouri wants to run up and down, and the things that, kind of were true all season long Missouri struggles to play defense and Princeton like I said was just wide open layup after wide open layup and then when they're hitting threes that's a dangerous team yep um next uh Houston Auburn Auburn beat or Houston takes down Auburn 81 to 64 after being down 41 to 31 at halftime yeah uh somebody here ended up taking Houston live money line when they were it, it, at halftime, they were still like, I think they were four and a half point dogs. Yeah, hammered the money line. And after that, 50 to 23 in the second half, Houston just absolutely dominated. But also, I know watching that Auburn in the second half could not hit shots. They really couldn't. They struggled in that second half. I don't have like the second half stats pulled up. But I know it was bad. Yeah, you kind of get that with Auburn sometimes, especially with Wendell Green and um, uh, what the frick's his name? I can't. I can't remember. What's the other guard's name? Is it Flan- yeah, it's Flanagan. Yeah, Alan Flanagan. They're a little reckless, and you experience the you had. If you haven't watched Auburn play this year, you got the full Auburn experience. Mm-hmm. In the first half, it was good Auburn, where the shots are knocking down. Everything's controlled. Wendell Green's got a good grasp on the offense. In the second half, it was just all-out chaos. When the pressure was on and when Houston started to press a little bit, they kind of pee down their legs a little bit and can get reckless, rush shots, take stupid, make stupid passes, and it just kind of all fell apart. And, I mean, awesome first half by Auburn, but guess what? When Houston wants to play this kind of defense and wants to step up, 
they're probably right there with UConn, as we say, is like the best team in the country. When yep. everything's firing at the right time and you got that full experience in the second half. Yeah, and honestly, Houston defensively so damn good. They had 12 blocks in this game. Auburn only three. And then like four steals to Auburn's one. Like that Houston defense really, really started to turn up. And after that, like I know we say the word championship switch was flipped, but man, that switch was flipped. We see a lot with these teams in the second half coming out in the second half that are just able to make great adjustments. And I mean, it happens when you probably, in my opinion, have the best coach in the country. Yeah. Kelvin Sampson. Yeah. And with a talented roster around it. Yeah, it definitely helps. Uh, moving on to the game that broke my heart, but I do Both also like the other side too. Texas Man. 71, Penn State 66. Awesome, awesome season for the Nittany Lions. Unfortunately, they came up a little short, but goddamn, that was a fun game. And Penn State, Micah Shrewsbury, I know he didn't win it, but should have been right up there for coach of the year. Yeah, I mean so tough both of us being on Penn State money line and dude they just like I forget what it was exactly in the uh well I'm looking it up yeah down eight at half just battled back I can't remember I think they were up three at one point but then it kind of just fell apart because Texas honestly found the one weakness, and that was honestly to zoo. Yeah, that Penn. I mean, it was Penn State all season. Penn State does not have a big. Exactly, like you're having Dread try to go up against him, and it's just not going to work. Fourteen of twenty, twenty-eight points for Dazoo. And literally all of those were just like little hooks, little layups, and dude, he. Like, nothing Penn State could do. Dylan DeSue, in mid-February, I think, was averaging, I think it was around six a game. Here is his last four games. 15 against TCU, 18 against Kansas, 17 against Colgate, and 28 against Penn State. He is starting to wake up. He started the year off a little banged up. If he's going to be playing like this, like Texas, I hope we get Texas and Houston because that is going to be a hell of a fucking matchup. And Texas Honestly, is so goddamn deep. Like I know it would fuck a Houston future, but to see Dazoo go up against Sonogo. In the potential matchup there, too. Yeah, that would be fantastic. And man, I'm low-key. I love Marcus Carr, and I love Timmy Allen, and I love Tyrese Hunter. Serge Abari Rice might just come down to be the best guard on this team. Yeah. It's crazy to say. It's ludicrous to say. Yeah, it shots really were not falling for him as much until really like the second half. But then once he started hitting some of those threes, or no, he only hit one three. It was just a couple of other plays that he made that he, it just helped take Texas over the top for Penn against Penn State. I mean, yeah, Pickett, hell of a game. Funk, I mean. You needed a couple to drop. Yeah, two of ten, man. That's that's tough. And they tried to get him started off early, and then he made. There was one that he made. I still don't know how he made it, but well, dude, this is what I said against when they played. Who's the opening round game? Uh, Colgate. No, uh, Penn State. Oh, Penn State. Uh, Texas A and M. Texas A and M. Yes, 
and why I said I don't like Andrew Funk all the time, then he goes 8 for 10. Like, this is the two experiences you get. Like, dude, when you're 2 of 9, you don't have to shoot it with 28 seconds left on the shot clock. Like, as soon as the ball gets to him, he's jacking a 3 up. I'm like, what are you doing? There's plenty of time to get a better shot. And there'll be a guy draped all over him, and he'll hit the back iron. He either makes it or hits the back iron. That's what I'm convinced. Yeah, and I do want to give a shout-out to Dredd. He hit some clutch threes, four of seven from three. And for a bigger guy, that I mean, he hit some clutch threes that put us in this, kept us in this game. But ultimately, Texas just comes out on top, man. Yep. UCLA survives against Northwestern, 68-63. to In a game that looked at halftime like it could be teetering on the edge of a blowout. But Boo Booey and Chase Aldige fought hard, but at the end, UCLA still ends up back in the Sweet 16 for the third consecutive season. Yeah, Yaquez, man, he did some work in this game. What was it? Uh, 24 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 11 of 19 shooting, like... Didn't really, like it was kind of all him. I don't want to say all him, but like only other two contributors were Bailey or Bailey and Tiger Campbell, who dropped twelve and fourteen. It mm-hmm. was, I mean, a lot of work for Yakez. Is insane because Tiger was zero for seven from the field with twelve points. Yeah, got all his points at the free throw line. Yeah, but I mean, when you're good at something, keep doing it. I guess shit. Yeah, man, that I mean, that kid is that kid is something else. He is so fun to watch. He controls everything and is never, never rattled. He is probably one of my favorite players in basketball. Um, Yeah, I mean, shockingly, UCLA games, even if you think Northwestern, again, is an inferior opponent to UCLA, it just never, never worries me. Like, UCLA is going to muck the game up, and this is how they're going to win by 7-8. That's like around, or like 1-7, that's kind of their range. They're not really going to blow anybody out. And that's still a damn good Northwestern team. They've been undervalued all season long by everybody in the world, including us. And I was still ready to do it again. But it seems like they always, at the end of the game, keep it somewhat close. Hard-fought game from Boo Booey and Chase Aldeach, unfortunately, it comes to an end. But nothing to hang your hat on. This is the best season in program history. Mm -hmm. Like, probably by a decent shot here. Yeah, definitely. Alabama beats Maryland 73-51. to I noticed the game was close at the beginning. I think last I looked, it was like 18-17. to Next thing I looked down, they're up 10. And it seems like they basically cruise from there. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, for Alabama, good to see that Brandon Miller got out of his early slump. Five, I mean, it was only 5 of 17 shooting. But still, 19 points. But, man... If Quinterly is doing what he's been doing, this team might be all almost unstoppable. Like, what was it? nine of fourteen shooting, four of six from three, twenty-two points leads Alabama in points. If he's doing this, dude, they're gonna be so unstoppable. Yeah, I would caveat that with when he would have to go up against like Andrew Jackson or Marcus Sasser. But, I mean, he's capable of scoring on anybody, but those two dudes are probably the most equipped to guard him. But then when you had to deliver so much attention to one player, 
because you mm-hmm. have to, yeah. then that's basically going to open up everything for everything else. I mean, at this point, it's pretty hard to argue that Alabama's the favorite. I mean, they're the favorite in the betting market, and they mm-hmm. rightfully should be. They keep proving and proving it again. Again, Maryland did beat West Virginia. I'm not taking a ton away from it. They still aren't that good away from home. Mm-hmm. So this didn't shock me by any means that this happened. Um, I was surprised to see it close for a little bit, but I didn't get a lot of eyes on the game at the end or at the beginning. Most people were like they were kind of playing with their food. Yeah, kind of. Kind of feeling themselves out, and then like they just flipped that switch and were like, screw it, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Let's go out and blow them out. <coughs> Moving on to Sunday, not going to keep a lot on that one. It was pretty much an ass whooping. Another early dud. The first two, the Saturday and Sunday, first early games were duds. Xavier 84, Pitt 73. And to be honest with you, this really was never close. Like Pitt had tried to call us back in. They did at the very end of this game. All of a sudden, just start hitting some random ass threes. But of course, we're sitting on money line and. They were trying to pull us back in, like, hey, come on over here. We're going to do this. Yay. And then we just saw it just uh, every time they had, they'd come down and hit a shot. Xavier had a fucking answer, dude. This Xavier team, like, I know we were worried about them without Fremantle, but, man, I'm starting to lose, like, those worries. Somehow, some way, Sean Miller is getting this team going and yeah, I mean, when he's got still, two of the best guards in the country, he might have the best, one of the best back, one of the three best backcourts still left. Yeah, and I mean, if Nanji's going, what was it, uh, eight for twelve, for eighteen points, like it, it, it it's gonna be tough. It's it's the freaking uh, same thing that he did against, uh, or Colby Jones did against Youngblood and Hodge from Kennesaw State. Kobe Jones just literally can decide, like, hey, you're not scoring. And, yeah. like, you're done. Like, Burton could not get going when he was on there. Cummings, when he got switched on, when Jones got switched on him, could not do nothing. He literally just shut everybody down. And also, when, like, Kunkel's hitting threes like that, and he was doing some, like, heat check threes, and they yeah. were banging in. Xavier's going to be a tough team to beat. Yep. I'm really interested to see how that, that game um, – I don't know. I haven't looked at the schedule like when they play Thursday or Friday against Texas, but like that is going to be sick. Um, don't really have a lean either way yet because I I really need to talk myself into Xavier because <laughs> this Xavier team yeah. is really good. Kansas State seventy five, Kentucky sixty nine, and probably I would say the second best game I saw this weekend, back and forth the entire way, but ultimately. Marquise Noel pulls, My fucking pulls Kansas State out here. And John Calipari probably said it the best. Kentucky? What was the score half? I can't remember now. I think uh, Kentucky was down three, had the leads in the second half at some point. Kentucky out-rebounded Kansas State by 19 in the second half and had five turnovers in the second half and lost. Sheway was a goddamn force that game. 18 rebounds, 25 points. Sad that we can no longer hammer his over on rebounds. Yes. But, dude, like, he was just a force down low. They, Tomlin being, like, a slender guy, like, really struggled against Shibway. And, honestly, like, who was it? Uh, Oh, yeah, Wallace, dog. 
Dude, he was, I mean, kind of easy when the matchups, Marquise Noel, who's 5'8", and Walt, and, uh... Ball 6'4". Yeah. So, I mean, mismatch, but they exploited it, and honestly, like, you and I were on something, and I can't wait to hear you rant about it, potentially. Dude, if Austin, or, wait, what is Antonio Reeves. Or, Antonio Reeves isn't hitting his shots like like he was before it's tough for Tennessee or I mean Tennessee Kentucky to win I yeah mean, I mean Antonio Reeves is one for 15 from the field we had his over 15 points and, and it looked pretty quickly like oh, this, this isn't this isn't gonna work I mean I don't care because the other three the other two didn't hit anyway so I mean when you're one for 15 from the field and that's your best off the ball score, like you're kind of in a tough spot here. But the story, I mean, what it came down to was Kansas State made the plays in the last three minutes of the game and won the game. That's yeah. what it, I know Kentucky out rebounded them. I know they took care of the ball better than Kansas State did. But what happened was when the game was tight, with four minutes left in the game, Kansas State made the plays and Kentucky didn't. Yeah, I mean, Noel was in his bag this whole game. You saw it with the behind-the-back pass, the between-the-legs pass that could have been great if Keontae doesn't get fouled and he could slam it down. But, Mm. I mean, dude, and some of those, he only had three threes. But, dude, some of those were from the fucking parking lot. And I'm like, I'm watching the ball go through the air, and I'm like, I know he could hit this shot, but what the fuck are you thinking? Let's go, it's in. Yes, but I mean, both teams weren't great from downtown. Uh, Kansas State's out twenty three and a half or twenty three point eight, and Kentucky was twenty percent from three. But yeah, when combined they, nine of forty one, <laughs> they basically called uh, Tomlin up to set a screen, and Noel was or Shigway had to guard Noel in space, and it was over with mm. every single time. And as good as Oscar Shigway was, you can't take him off the court. He had twenty five points and eighteen rebounds. He is just a def- he's a defensive liability when you get him away from the basket. Mm-hmm. And, and Kansas, Kansas State was like the- Kentucky had that figured out for a while, but Kansas State was able to exploit it again. Yeah, it it sucks for Kentucky fans. I really do feel bad for Oscar Sheway. He's a hell of a player. Just that not being able to get away from the baskets, regard away from the hoop is it's tough. It sucks. It sucks for him. He had an awesome college career though. Um, don't really know where he's going to go from there. But moving on here, UConn 70, St. Mary's 55. St. Mary's goes into You kind of skipped one. Did I? Yeah. Oh, shit. One of the bigger upsets of the day. Michigan State 69, Marquette 60. I wish I would have talked myself into betting it. I was talking about how this team could beat Marquette all week, and I pussied out of the bet. And ultimately, Michigan State gets the job done. I will say caveat to that bet. Tyler Kolick did not look like himself. Like, I know he was in foul trouble, but even when he was out on the court, it seemed like that uh, left hand was still bothering him a little bit. Right hand. It was his right hand? Yeah. Okay. but Shooting st- hand. Still, it just something didn't seem right with Tyler Kolick in that game at all. Yeah, I mean, he was still able to go 2-5 from 3, but still, like, 2 of 8 shooting the whole game. I mean, yeah, he did, he did not look right. But, I mean, yeah, the fouls... For Marquette were such an issue. It's just, it's tough, man. 
It, like you and I both like Marquette. I know you probably like Michigan State better, but I mean, dude, it sucks at the end. Walker just absolutely shut the door, and I know you told me, or I think you said on the podcast, every time you bet against Walker. He ends up making some clutch shots that end up. No, scoring. I'm not saying bet against them though. He just does that. Yeah, it doesn't matter who they're playing. I think in like his last three shots, he was three for three, and they were just absolute daggers. That's why I kind of like this spot here for Michigan State when Marquette doesn't really have a big that's going to dominate you down low. And I know in the last three minutes of any game, it's going to call me crazy, but there's nobody in the country I'm taking over Tyson Walker. He just does every little thing right, and he does not miss. He has ice in his veins. And you know that dunk at the end of the game to make it 69-60? Yeah. Or I don't know what, what it was, but it, if that was the last possession, that was his first ever in-game dunk in his career. Oh, not nothing. in college, not in high school, like ever. He's never dunked in a game before. In high school, college, some kids didn't dunk him in Hell of a time to pull it out. Yeah, uh, when they said that in the press conference, Izzo was like, kind of like, why would you try to dunk that then? Just kind of look at them. But they, like, laughed it off or whatever, and it felt awesome. Like, uh-huh. good for them. It sucks for Marquette, though. Like, are you sure that was his right hand? Because Tyler Cole looks a lefty. Or maybe it was his left. I know yeah. they said. I can't Is it his shooting hand? I thought I heard somebody say right hand, and then I heard somebody say shooting hand. If it's shooting hand, it was his left. I mean, it's just Who knows? But he just, he was in foul trouble, and he just didn't look like himself. You would mm-hmm. hope. He's the biggest player of the year. He would get some calls, some favorable calls to go his way. The couple of his fouls were pretty ticky tack. And this is for somebody that didn't have any any money really on the game at all. Kind of sucked there. Yep. Um I will say overall, just overall from the first four days of the tournament, we really fishing really hasn't been that bad. Uh, there's not really something that I can point out and be like, this call cost them the game. And there is that moment every single year in the tournament. Mm-hmm. So I guess we should knock on wood that it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Because there's plenty of time for it to happen. But it, overall, it's been, <coughs> you know, I think pretty 50-50 both ways in most games. Yeah, the only thing that I've, like, really noticed is, like, the offensive foul on picks where somebody, like, puts their body more into the player. They're call like, I don't know if it's just me noticing it, but there's one point with Pickett in the Texas game that he's letting the player come. He's got the ball, lets the player come around and he like kind of sticks his ass out a little bit more and booty ball yeah. uh, trips. I think it was Timmy and uh, they called the foul on Pickett, but that's like the only thing that for the officials that I've called. I, I've gotten to the point though, and you and I both I think have had this happen that we're making the charge and it's a block. Yeah, it's not charge season this year. It's yeah, it's not as wild. much charge season. Like, kind of seems like there was a point of emphasis, but yeah. So yeah, Michigan State sixty nine to sixty. Izzo continues to be great in March, and honestly, I can't remember the numbers, but I'm pretty sure. Shaka has not won, hasn't been to the Sweet 16 since the first of four run. Oh, really? Or, yeah, the first four to the final four run. So, not looking great there, but still great season for Marquette. Awesome. You won the Big East tournament. You can hang your hat on that. You ran into a good Michigan State team. The game I was going to get to, UConn, 70, St. Mary's, 55. UConn led by one at half. St. Mary's instantly took the lead right back, and then – there was a moment, I can't remember, I was trying to pull it up, 
but there was a moment in the second half when it was 38 to 37 St. Mary's. Andre Jackson bangs in a three, and then here comes the waterfall. Wait, was it Jackson or was it or was that when Hawkins hit his? No, because it went first. It went Andrew Jackson, uh-huh. and then a couple possessions, couple possessions, and then Kerbana hit a three, and then Jackson made a jumper, and then here comes Hawkins for the dagger, fifty-one to forty after he hit his, and then Hawkins just went off. Yeah, it was uh, as somebody who had Hawkins uh, over two uh, threes parlayed with UConn money line, like it was. It was worrisome, especially in that first half. But crazy enough, like Hawkins in the first half of UConn games against Iona and against uh, St. Mary's combined, zero points, zero seven shooting. Second half is where he scores all his damn points. Ends up with four of five for three. Did get the two early fouls. You saw him go off the court and even proceed to punch a chair, and uh, I started sweating. But yeah, I mean, I mean, it was one of those things I think for him where he just never really got in a rhythm. He got those two early. He got an early foul, so he gets checked out. Comes back in, picks up another foul, and he just never really could get get settled in. And as soon as that first one dropped, it, that was it. Yeah, exactly. And also, UConn in the second half just able to utterly exploit the mismatch of Sonogo inside. Eleven of sixteen shooting. 24 points for the big man. I mean, he was a damn force. Yeah, St. Mary's had literally no nobody they could throw at him. He got literally no. anything he wanted on the court. Exactly. There. And UConn looked looked like a team that could win a national. Now, game. I will say the Dukas injury, I think that happened with five minutes left in the first half, which freak injury, I hope everything's all right with him. It just looked like he started having back spasm <laughs> Not able to return, and I mean, for a second there, he was scaring the absolute shit out of me. Three of four shooting, and then two of three from three, but kind of see, I want to say that was the turning point, but I mean, UConn's second half, like, that might be the bet from now on is, well. Down a half, bet the money line. Yeah, I mean. 100%. Yeah, we both did. We both actually put. No, half. I'm saying yeah. I know we did that, but it also could be the move. Yeah, but or just take the second half line, man. I don't know this UConn team, dude. I uh, I don't know who's really stopping them outside of Alabama or Houston, really. Yeah. Um, this just um, seems I like, have some other thing takes on that, but, but uh, this team seems like they're a freight train coming down the tracks. 100. percent Kind of scary um, to say in Ohio. I true. I the thing I hated for this for St. Mary's is get them getting put in the side with UConn because I yeah I we're gonna get to Gonzaga later. I just hate the slander for the WCC. The WCC is a legit conference. It's it's very good. And St. Mary's is a very good basketball team. They just happen to come up with probably the best four seed we've seen in ten years. Yeah. And literally, if it wasn't for a stretch, could have been fighting for a one. Yeah, and for both of us, it's unfortunate I cashed out the first one, but was kind of like that was when they were down. But you, the future's in on UConn winning all. Yeah, I don't know what it is now, but it was it was thirteen to one on Saturday, and we grabbed it. 
Mm. Seemed like the best value was there. Yeah. And now this is one that I really wanted to get to. Not to tell everybody we told you so, but Creighton 85, Baylor 76. Something we were pretty confident about from the get-go. There was no, when we broke our bracket down, we had this matchup, <coughs> and there was no no fighting either way. No. Um, what is Baylor really bad at? Guards. Well, defense. No. Defense. <laughs> very, yeah, defense. very bad at defense, and especially at the guards. Yes, and Creighton drops eighty-five on them, and LJ Cryer did everything he could to bring Baylor back into this game and make me sweat this out a little bit. He dropped thirty points. He was thirteen to twenty-two from the field, but Keontae George and Adam Flagler just didn't really have their best nights, and I still don't think it mattered. Like everything was dropping for for Creighton. They were 11 from 24 from three, got 30 from Andrew Nemhard. Yeah, I mean, he was a damn force. Four of six from three, eight of 13 from the field. And to be honest with you, the way I thought they were going to really exploit Baylor was inside with Kalkbrenner. Kalkbrenner was only four from 10, 10 points. Yeah, I know. You, I, it, <laughs> I needed 15. You, yeah, you and your props, and you're just like, get it into uh, him, and then he just... Ugh. He did like the... I can't remember. I think it was Thamba had him, one of the nastiest blocks on him. Mm-hmm. But and they also got nine points from Verbello off the bench. And to be honest with you, if, if Creighton get nine points from their bench, you can the, the Creighton fans will celebrate that. I mean, he had three. He was three for five from three. But it seemed like everything they threw up just went in. This Creighton team's dangerous too, man. Um, hopefully they don't fall asleep against Princeton. Doug McDermott's got a, four days to kind of prepare for this. Uh, raggedy offense that they're not really it's a little tricky to learn for a little bit but I think with some veteran players out there they should be able to figure it out and I'm excited to see maybe them match up with Alabama in the Elite Eight FAU 78 Fairleigh Dickinson 70 the magical run of damn (laughs) three wins comes to an end covered they did cover I will tell you what that FDU team was flying around um i mean you can't really you can't i don't know what to say like you lost by eight it sucks you were in it the whole time you cannot hang your head 16 seed like nobody expected you to get to this point no you shouldn't even made your own tournament exactly you were you're gonna go down in history no this was the greatest cinderella like this is probably the the win over Purdue is the biggest upset in college basketball history, mm-hmm. and damn, you tried to pull one more off there, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Like, God, like Tobin Anderson is, I like I don't know if other if programs are gonna call, like he just came from the Division two level. There's three meaningful players on this team from the Division two level, and they just they're fearless. They're fearless. Mm-hmm. Roberts was flying around at five foot eight. He would he was going body to body with um Golden for the seven foot one Golden for uh, FAU. Just did not care. But I guess we also should talk. Like FAU also played very, very well. They were they shoot a lot of threes. I don't know if you if you haven't watched them and you've watched mm-hmm. them the first two games. Yeah. They were nine of thirty one from deep. It's only thirty percent, but still it was enough to get it done, and Davis played out of his mind here. He he finished with 29, 29 points, 12 rebounds, and 5 assists, 10 for 16 from the field. And it also seemed like as soon as 
Fairleigh Dickinson kind of got going, and the crowd, because obviously the crowd's room for the 16. If yeah, you're not a like, fan. shout out to the Columbus crowd just doing everything they can to will that into existence. Like, to be honest with Even you. Even Big Cat coming out with the thanks for coming out FDU tweet. It, At that point was when I placed my bet on the FD. live one. Yes, um, just to cover. To be honest, it was America versus FAU. Yeah, it like got 100%. it. Really was like <laughs> no, nothing, absolutely nothing against FAU. No, we had you in the Sweet Sixteen. Exactly, but God damn it, we didn't want FDU to win that. Game. It was hard to root against them, but yeah, it, every it, time that FDU tried to kind of. Build momentum. It seemed like Davis would knock down a three or find somebody wide open for three. Yeah, I mean, again, just you were 16 and a half point dogs to FAU. Like, dude, shout out to FDU. They deserve everything. Team of the season. 100%. Miami, 85. Indiana, 69. Let's go. Let's go. I obviously had Drake winning the first round. They blew we, that away. I mean, we both bet it. They blew it away. Mm-hmm. But Miami handled Indiana in this game. Absolutely. I'm going to take over because this is my second team. Not We got Kansas State and we got Miami. Dude, when they are shooting like this, they are, I don't want to say unstoppable, but, man, if they can keep up with just about anybody, and when they're scoring like this, they're hard to keep up with. And Indiana, it showed for Indiana. They did come back. By the time I had finally gotten home from leaving here, it was uh, my or Indiana I cut to two, and then just my well, aunt, Indiana took the lead in a second. Yeah, but when I had gotten back, they it, Miami's up two. <clears throat> And then they just go on an absolute tear. Wong's hitting shots. Miller or Pax hitting shots. Miller's hitting shot. Poplar's hitting shots. O'Meara's just being an absolute dog down low. Dude. Seventeen rebounds, and that kid is six foot six. I don't care what anybody says. Especially when you're going up against Trace. Trace only had eight rebounds. O'Meara out rebound him. That is absolutely insane because that was our one worry in this game we obviously said let trace like trace is gonna get his he did get 23 points but eight rebounds to 17 when you're giving up or the dude's giving up what four inches maybe probably well he's listed at six seven so if you want to go by listed heights he's giving up two inches but trace can jump through the jace is six nine but he can jump i don't even believe trace is six nine but also, who who really knows? But, I mean, dude, this Miami team, when they are, when every shot is hitting like it was, and, like, that was the big thing that helped was Omir's rebounds. A lot of them were offensive, and then he's just kicking it back out to pack, and he's splashing it. Yeah, um, Omir finished with eight offensive rebounds. Exactly. He had more, he had more offensive rebounds than Trace Jack, or... Equal same, amount, yeah. same amount of rebounds as Trace Jackson were offensive. I mean, dude, just I uh, dude, I I know Indiana is like I have overvalued. I thought they were overvalued all season, and I know Trace is an amazing player, but it just seems like something it leaves you wanting more all the time. 
mm-hmm. with them. Like, I don't know exactly what it is. We still don't really know if Mike Woodson's that great of a coach. He just happened to have Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Hood Shafino. But, yeah, yeah I mean, if Miami's going to play like that, like, Houston's in for a dogfight. Like, obviously, I would, if you tell me right now, taking the gambling side out of it, I'd pick Houston. But this, it's not a cakewalk Mm-mm. by any means. Mm-mm. Now, we'll see what Miami can do with a little more, with a better, going up against a better defense and a more, like, attack defense where they're going to make you take care of the ball and not turn it over. That's something Indiana is really not going to do. But if they're making shots like this and the ball's moving around like that, sharing them with everybody, and they're running up and down the court, I mean, they're they're they have a damn good shot to win this game. It wouldn't shock me by any means if they beat Houston. But and also, I as I know, I just ragged on them, but shout out to Trace Jackson Davis. You four great years in Indiana. You kind of brought a program back that was headed in the complete wrong direction. You've kind of made Indiana somewhat relevant again. Yeah. So. No yeah. one can ever take that away from you. And in the late game, the Gonzaga Bulldogs get to their eighth. I did not realize this. It was the eighth straight Sweet 16. They beat TCU 84-81. to TCU gets a backdoor cover at the end there. So we did say four and a half was their lane. Yeah. I didn't think they were going to win this game, but. Granted, my, my, more, my play was more on TCU money line, but also it was just a sprinkle just for feel, just to feel something. Um. Damn, uh, I obviously I had I used our ve- one, my veto to take TCU to the uh, Lee Eight, mm-hmm. but I mean I thought that when TCU had the lead, I thought they were going to be able to keep it. But man, that 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 championship pedigree that Gonzaga has was just able to come through, and I mean. Shout out to Drew Timmy for being an absolute force. Uh, what was he? Uh, he was 12, 12 of 21. 28 points. And knocked in a three there. And, dude, he he did so much. Like, their, TCU had no fucking answer for him. Like, he was catching the ball at the top of the key, pump faking, doing Euros to get to the lane. Like, anything he wanted on any possession, if they could get him the ball, he was scoring. And mm-hmm. that's a guy who's been to a national championship game. He's played in played in the Sweet 16 last year. Like, awesome for them. And guy that's not going to get a lot of pub in this game, but you, if you really, really watched it, Antoine Watson, he only finished with nine, and, nine points, but he had 12 rebounds. And he's like, Drew Timmy's not, I know he's a shit talker. If you watch any Gonzaga game, he likes to talk shit. Mm-hmm. But he's not he's not gonna he's not a physical like bad boy like do the dirty shit kind of guy. He's a he's still a little fragile. He can bang in the post, but he's not he's not the tough guy. Antoine's like his like his uh what would you say? Like his bodyguard. bodyguard. And he will do every goddamn dirty little thing he can. And Watson's a senior man. He could have went to any school in the country and been a starting center. And he chose to stick it out with Gonzaga. So awesome for him to kind of get some love in this game. And then Razier Bolton, after doing absolutely nothing in the first half, finishes with 17 points, and that was basically it. And then, oh, I should also, Malachi Smith finally really shows up and looked like the Malachi Smith he was at Chattanooga and made three huge threes in the second half. Yeah, three or four from three, 11 points, good for him. But it's probably it for Mike Miles, man, at TCU, but... God damn, that dude can play. He's a fucking hooper, man. Absolutely. I mean, he's 
he's what kept that like even when the lead started slipping away he was still able to keep them in i mean great season for tcu like obviously could have been a lot different if Miles didn't have those injuries, maybe seating was a little bit different, have a little bit more favorable matches. Oh, 100% wouldn't be different. But, I mean, obviously, like, I love this team because I thought they were a stingy six seed. And, I mean, to the half, they were they had some great games in this tournament between the comeback against ASU to this game. Just great season for TCU. Just comes up a little bit short and Gonzaga Dude, keeps rolling. Dude, that's like what boils down to in this tournament look at these six seeds like iowa state had some giant wins this season they kind of fell off during the end Mm -hmm. but then you have tcu creighton and kentucky yeah where kentucky could easily be here right now if they did if they could have played well in the last four minutes creighton's in the sweet 16 but they're not tcu was right there with gonzaga Mm -hmm. like these six seeds were legit and i'm gonna say right now if you if you're still gonna say that gonzaga can't play in march if until they join a power five conference you just don't know ball like they do this every year man they Mm -hmm. get to the sweet 16 there's plenty of coaches that haven't won the big one mark few is one of the best coaches in college basketball he's able to get his teams going and i'm gonna tell you right now if they played in a power conference guess what they're probably a three seed Mm -hmm. in the year they won the national title they probably weren't undefeated they were a one seed Mm-hmm. they're talented just because you haven't won the big one they're gonna get over the hump eventually yep right maybe I don't know. <laughs> they have to i don't know i still feel like that sucks team that was their best shot yeah but man it's march though did anybody think napier was gonna win it no, no. it's unfortunately for them right now i know we're gonna do i think wednesday is gonna be kind of the breakdown of everything mm-hmm. and our picks for the week but just real quick that matchup with ucla is going to literally rip me in half yeah it's uh finally moved to ucla mice too because yeah i love ucla and i love gonzaga and i don't really know where i'm going i probably would early when i saw it and it was a pick was leaning ucla but man this is going to be the um, Tiger Campbell and Jamie Yaquez remember that Jalen sucks half court shot. Yep. So it's going to be awesome. But yeah, that's basically everything from the first four days of the tournament. It's been fun. So we'll see you Wednesday and we'll start breaking down the Sweet 16. Right here. Peace.